Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Outsports' latest podcast. This is uh, Jim with Sid in Los Angeles. Our podcast is sponsored by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World. And that was one of the few times the car bumper music actually started when it should start. We're getting the hang of this. Except I can't get the hang of Sid. Sid, are you on? Well, some technical problems. I uh, cannot hear Sid, so uh, we will. Yeah, I'm here. Just yep, you are on. Okay. Well, we always have. There's always something with this <laughs> this thing. Well, um, this is our mid-August. Wow. I mean, August 20th. The NFL season starts three weeks from tonight with uh, Patriots Steelers. Steelers going to be without Le'Veon Bell. Patriots may or may not be without their starting quarterback Tom Brady, based on what a judge does. So. Um, God, the football season is like, I mean, it's, it's here. The NFL needs to be able to flex its week one schedule. <laughs> why, why is that? Well, you got, I mean, if, if you were going to point to five stars in that first game, you're just talking about two of them, one won't be in the game, and the other one very well may not be in the game. So, you know, wouldn't a, uh, wouldn't a Broncos-Packers game be a lot more interesting? I actually disagree. I think if, if Brady doesn't play, I think the ratings are going to be huge either way because there's going to be this fascination with how this new guy does. I mean, I think the whole deflate gate stuff has caused so much interest that I kind of regardless of who's starting a quarterback, and if Brady does play, then the ratings are going to even be bigger because it's going to be, you know, he basically defeated the NFL. So I kind of think the NFL seems almost immune to this. Remember we used to talk about, oh, they don't want a Super Bowl with the Cardinals in it. And the year the Cardinals played the Steelers, it was turned out to be the highest-rated Super Bowl ever. So, you know, at the time, so I kind of think the NFL is almost virtually uh, ratings-proof. The NFL is king. There's no question about that. As we see every time we write stories about it, uh, tends to get us a lot of traffic. And uh, it's actually a busy for August, a kind of a busy sports week, and coming outs and leavings and. Uh, we'll start first with the leaving, since we'll just kind of tie this up. Uh, Michael Sam, a year ago, was getting ready to play in his third preseason game for the St. Louis Rams. And a year later, he is out of football. He got signed by the Montreal Alouettes, Canadian Football League, and played in 12 plays. And last week, abruptly said he was leaving the team for reasons had to do with uh, his mental health. And... Um, First, do you know anything more than what's been reported? Um, and second, is this sort of the end of Michael's pro football career? Uh, well, um, is it the end of his pro football career? I would – I don't know. I think it's up to Michael. The Alouettes did not cut or they did not release Michael, so they are holding on to his rights. Obviously, they still want him on the team. At least somebody there wants him on the team. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that the, the, that some of the teammates um, that he had done some things that the teammates didn't like. I'm sure leaving the team the, the day before the first preseason game did not sit well. 
So, uh, you know, it's, it's up to Michael. He's He posted on Twitter that he's headed back home to Texas to kind of try to refocus and figure out what he wants to do. And at this, at this point, I mean, it really is up to him. But certainly with any player leaving teams, uh, disappearing, it, it does not help get into the NFL when you start doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think in terms, I think his dream of the NFL is pretty much done. I mean, he would have to go back to Canada and would have to be a star because I don't think anybody wants to touch him now because of the stuff that happened in Montreal. Um, and it's it, it's really kind of an awfully a sad story. I mean, um, I don't know the, the mental health issues he's dealing with. I know there's been a breakup and stuff, but I, I think the story started with such high promise that it sort of ended in a way that just seemed really just kind of disappointing that like kind of everybody involved that we never really got to see if this could work in a major way. And then you kind of wonder, well, how will it work? Will it take somebody who's what people seem to think a current player who's established on his team to do this um, versus someone who sort of has to sort of prove himself first on the field. And then you layer in whatever homophobia is out there that makes it that much tougher. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. It's it's a it's about a year ago that one of the things that when I talk to people about Michael's career, one of the things they they often point to people in the media and outside the media is that report by Josina Anderson right before the third preseason game about Michael Sam's showering habits and how people had moved on past the issue, and that that report created such a firestorm in the Rams locker room. And, and certainly in the media, uh, that you know, some people speculate that really that that report really hurt Michael because in the middle of everybody moving on and, and in the middle of games being played, sure enough, we're talking about Michael in the showers. So it, that was August 26th of last year, and I, I you know, it's, I, I don't think that helped. But um, but yeah, Michael's Michael's out of football right now, and I think it's he's got a. He's got a, an almost impossible possible journey back to the NFL. He would have to go to the CFL, probably play a couple seasons, dominate there. That's just going to be very tough. Yeah, and I think Michael, you know, at some level is is responsible for some of it. I mean, the biggest criticisms I've heard from gay people, straight people, the whole, you know, Oprah show and the Dancing with the Stars, which I always defend him on from the sense of that they paid him good money. And, you know, if you're 22 years old and you're getting, you know, Oprah waving a couple hundred thousand dollars in your face and Dancing with the Stars starts at 125000 an episode and more if you last, I couldn't say that any 22-year-old turned down that money when, when you're looking at the NFL guarantee, which was $45,000 signing bonus, and if, then you had to make the team. So, and yet, sort of perception-wise, it really hurt him because – a lot of people seem to think, well, he was all about the stardom and stuff. And yet, while I defend him doing it, it's kind of like I, the perception, I think, took hold with a lot of people that he wasn't, quote-unquote, serious about football. People are idiots. People, you know, people don't know what's going on. They don't talk to people in the NFL. And, yeah, I saw there have been a couple of, of columns this week about how Michael distracted himself to distraction of the distraction of the distraction with all this, all this stuff. And when I talk to players and I talk to people in the NFL, they're like, yeah, this is what NFL players do. Yeah, Michael is a special case, but he's a special case. So who cares? And, and I don't, 
I haven't talked to anybody who thinks that Michael's performance on the field, which was quite good in the preseason a year ago, that was at least good, right? It wasn't bad. It was at least good. Mm-hmm. That, and, and, and at the time, he was being followed by camera crews. They had said that they canceled the show. They hadn't, right? They were, he was being followed by camera crews. And the Dancing with the Stars thing, I saw him. I spent a day, a day with him at the Veteran Combine. He said, oh, I'm in some of the best shape of my life because of Dancing with the Stars. So, you know, the, the public, and I know Dave Copay has been critical of it, but I don't think the public really understands what goes on and, and, and what really happened. They, just, they, they see these things, they get fed this stuff by a couple people in the media, and that's what they run with. Well, and I think it also, they, they seem to think that they would somehow act differently. I mean, I remember when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl to the Giants the second time, and Gronkowski had, what, an injury or something, and that night they showed him dancing at a, you know, and people, oh, my God, how could you go out and, you know, and dance and have a good time when you've lost the Super Bowl? Well, what the hell else is he supposed to do, sit in his hotel room all night and pout? That's what fans do. Fans take it in some ways, you know, they, they take it almost more personally than the players, and it was like Gronkowski took a whole load of crap for doing something, and I said, well, fine, life goes on. You lost the game. All right, it's terrible, but you can't do anything about it. Why not sort of, you know, enjoy yourself? But so I think with the whole Michael thing, they seem to think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done the Oprah thing. Well, if Oprah put, what, a half million dollars in front of you, of course you would, <laughs> especially at age 22. I mean, I certainly would, despite our, you know, our one reality show thing. So it just kind of, of course, pisses me all, off. That, they're armchair quarterbacks. They, they really don't understand football. They don't understand how... Uh, professional athletes operate. They really don't understand the decisions that go into rosters and everything else. People are just, uh, they, they just don't understand. They think they do. They really have no idea how professional sports actually operate. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think the next chapter for Michael is he's going to have to take care of his business, and, you know, whether or not we'll see him on a football field kind of remains to be seen. I mean, he's still going to go as down as a historic figure, um, for what he did. Um, but it's one of those things that's kind of like it really had a real, like a year, a year ago, this is not the, this is not what I would have envisioned the end of Michael Sam looking like. This, this was impossible to me. Yeah. That he, uh, he had an opportunity and walked away from it was not possible. I'm, I'm shocked. You know, Michael has professed his un dying desire to, to get into the NFL and play football as a need for football to me. So it was, I was, you know, disappointment and surprise. So that's, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Well, moving on to uh, two actually athletes who are still playing and or gay. We've had two interesting coming outs um, this week. One involved David Denson, a minor league baseball player with the Milwaukee Brewers. He was the first First baseball player affiliated with a, with a major league team to ever come out. Uh, Sean Conroy came out in June. He plays for an unaffiliated thing. So Denson's path to the major leagues actually is easier than Conroy's because he's with an organization. And then we had uh, Keegan Hurst, a professional rugby player over in England, the first English rugby league player to ever come out. Um, and we ran a nice shot of Keegan and a teammate uh, posing naked for a charity. So you want to check that out it's on outsports um what are your feelings about these two stories any either bigger than the other and what do they mean 
Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. Um, you know, as I really thought about the David Denson story, yeah, it's occurred to me that yes, he's being touted as Major League Baseball's first, but he's really not. I mean, he's he's a college athlete. That that's essentially what minor league baseball players at the age of 25 are, and he's a good college athlete. He's he he's uh, you know he's in the major leagues farm system, which is essentially what college sports are for the NFL and the NHL and 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 the NBA. He's he, so and, and right now he's been struggling so far. He hasn't played great from from what I've seen, though. Um, you know I know that he appeared in an All Star game and did very well. So uh, you know he's I think I think most people look at this and say he's a call. He's essentially a college athlete. You know, he hasn't broken the big barrier, and we hope he does. And as for Keegan Hurst, I mean, he's there. He's, he's the captain of his team. He's playing professional rugby in, in England. It's a big deal. Rugby is a big rough-and-tumble sport. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we've seen a lot of, of interest in this. Yeah, I think Denson's – I wouldn't rank him as a college player, and I think the fact that he's actually with an organization – he has a path to the major leagues that is easier for any college player because he actually has a team that, you know, a, a, a team that actually has his rights and everything. His problem is he is in the lowest level of the minor leagues, which is called the rookie league. And he started out the season rated as the Brewers' 21st best prospect. He's now their 27th. Um, he has some power. He's 6'4 and like 240, but he's not been a great hitter. Um, what's interested me about the story is I kind of think he's going to have a really slim chance of making it to the big leagues, although he's only age 20, is sort of the reaction of the Brewers themselves. I mean, Ryan Braun, their biggest star, came out really super supportive, as did a, their second baseman who played with Denson. The manager, Craig Council, knows Denson because they shared the same agent, and he said he was in my locker room, it'd be no problem. And, and the team itself issued a statement. And I think we've said all along, we've written a million times how this Basically, the support structure from the straight allies in this is crucial because if Denson was on a team that, you know, was homophobic organization, he probably wouldn't have done what he did in the first place. But the fact of the matter is that the Brewers will give him every chance to succeed based on his merits, not on his sexual orientation. So that, to me, is actually bigger than maybe whether or not he has actually a chance to make it to the big leagues. Yeah, it's been great to see, but I mean, at this point, uh, I, that's not a surprise. I mean, athletes saying yes, we accept you, and front office executives saying yes, we accept you. I mean, would it would be shocking to see someone say something otherwise, right? I mean, what what what's the big shocker there? What's I I don't I I, I just don't get what. Well, that to me, part it's simply that you know we. We there are you know there are teams that maybe would maybe a little bit qualified about how they replied, but I thought the fact that you know the manager said publicly he'd have his back tells me this guy would have a would have would have a path to the team that he knows now he could make the team as an openly gay player, and that's that's something we really haven't seen. That's because of the way the minor league system works, there is no minor league for the NFL per se. Um, you know, where your team owns your rights. So that to me was actually interesting that, oh, okay, if Denson starts, you know, performing well, maybe he can move up to double A, you know, or single A, double A, triple A, and maybe the big leagues at some point. It, it would be something that would be easy for him. It wouldn't be a Michael Sam situation is what I'm saying, where it'd be like, you know, how's he going to be treated or whatever. I think everybody knows that. So 
Um, so I think the value there is in the fact that, you know, baseball, it, it seems like it's moving right along with the other sports. Um, as far as the rugby player, I mean, that's a great story. Rugby is huge over in England. Um, he has an interesting backstory because he's married or was married, he's now separated with two kids. And he talks about how, you know, he, and he did not fit the stereotype. You know, he was super macho, masculine, didn't know any other gay people. And, you know, so he felt this couldn't be me. And it finally sort of enough was enough and has, you know, thought about killing himself at some point, like a lot of, unfortunately, gay people do. <clears throat> but the support he's gotten has been phenomenal. And as he said, he's playing for this, I forget the name of the team, a small town in England. And he said, I don't know, any, I don't know if there's any other gay people in this town, but everyone's been overwhelmingly positive. And, you know, that's, that to me is a really cool thing that his story has been universally sort of accepted. Yeah, you know, it's, I keep hearkening whenever I, I hear stuff coming out of England. I keep harken back to when Robbie Rogers came out, and, and he had been in English soccer for a year or two. And he was so convinced from his experience there that it was impossible to come out in soccer that he came out and quit soccer at the same time. And then Robbie Keane, who's one of the best players in Major League Soccer, who's Irish, he talked about how much more homophobic the environment is in sports in, in the United Kingdom, in Ireland, than it is in the United States. So, you know, we, we have this impression that people in Europe are so much more advanced, so much further ahead on LGBT issues, but we've heard several times that, that sports there are more racist, more homophobic, just a tougher place to be. So to come out in, in English rugby is, I, I think it's, it's really powerful. It's a powerful statement. We've seen Gareth Thomas do it before. Of course, kind of, he was in rugby union when he came out, and this guy's rugby league, which is a little different. So, but it is still, I, I think that's the power of it. People think, oh, England is so much, so much easier. The sports there are worse than here. Oh, yeah, and especially Premier Soccer. It, you know, the idea of a gay player coming out in English Premier Soccer still seems fairly remote, and I think Robbie kind of understood that when, you know, he was playing over there. Um, rugby's been a little more advanced with it, but, yeah, they are behind the times, and the fact that this guy plays in a small town, he expected to get some shit for it, you know, just sort of routine, and got nothing but overwhelming support. So, uh, you know, it's been, gr it's been great now that these stories are, are treated sort of as celebrations as, you know, before some, there have been some element of, you know, why do we need to know this? You still hear that from some idiot fans. But, um, you know, these kind of changes pop up kind of places we least expect them. I mean, David Denson plays in Helena, Montana, and this English rugby player plays in bump, I'm not, uh, small town England, and, you know, we had Michael Martin, you know, going to the prom with his boyfriend in rural West Virginia, and you wrote a piece about, you know, 12, basically 12 athletes who came out in the most unlikely places and were accepted. It kind of, they ain't all coming out in Chelsea and West Hollywood. They're coming out in places all over the country. Yeah, I, and we've said over and over that sports has transformed. And, and if people can do it where they're doing it now, you can do it just about anywhere in the United States. Certainly, there are pockets where you may face trouble. Of course there are. We have a story hopefully coming <laughs> yeah. next week about somebody who, who has, has certainly heard some pretty, some pretty negative things in and around football. But um, 
but, but by and large, it really is kind of an open invitation. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the, the negativity that we hear comes from the parents and comes from the older folks, maybe, maybe uh, uh, an older coach or an older AD, that the, the athletes today just don't care. Yeah, and I think that's true, and it also is, you know, it shows the power of the individual. It shows the power of, you know, people knowing other gay people. And, you know, there still has, there is still obviously a barrier, at least when it comes to pro sports, because we have nobody out. And both of us are, you know, keep wondering when is it, you know, when is it going to happen for real in the in pro sports where we, we have an active person. In the, um, but on, on the other levels, we see it constantly, and we have, I mean, losing count of how many coming out stories we have in the upcoming weeks, but, you know, there are people from South Dakota, there's people from Michigan, there's, I mean, you probably, I mean, I'm trying to stay off the top of my head, we have people kind of scattered all about, all over the country, and it's showing the power of, you know, the person itself, and the, the ability to change minds. And so that's why it's more frustrating when you think, God, why can't any of these pro athletes do it or at least do it when they retire? Yeah. And it, 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 that, that last piece, the retirement piece, that is really, that's the killer to me that there are these, there are these men and women whose careers are over. Some of them are in the hall of fame. Their legacies are intact and, and they can't even find the strength and the courage and the will to come out publicly and help so many young LGBT people who are still, despite their peers' acceptance, struggling with this. That, that really is so, so desperately frustrating to me. Well, Keegan Hurst uh, retweeted a tweet from a, like a young British guy who said after reading Keegan Hurst's story, he came out to his family and friends. And we hear that all the time. And you imagine if a Hall of Famer in any of the sports came out even years <laughs> after his, even years after retiring, how, what a big deal that would be. And, you know, it's like it's never too late to make a difference. And that's what I wish these guys would realize. Is I just don't get it either. You have nothing to lose. Anything about the fans, the locker rooms, the media, that's all in the past. Um, people would accept it, that you'd be embraced. And yet there, there's a certain act of cowardice there that, these guys are going to stay closeted yeah. forever, and it really it, that really frustrates me more than anything. Is I just don't. I've never had a real good explanation, other than well, that's their persona when they played, and that's what they're keeping when they're retired. I just don't. I don't buy it. Yeah, I I use the term coward, and I get I get harassed about it for that. But but that's certainly how I see some of those folks who have retired at the very top of their game. They're just they're cowards and, and it's, it really is. And, you know, we talk about how, how much it would help LGBT youth. You know, there are so many men and women in their fifties and sixties. They've been married for 20 years. They're struggling with their sexual orientation. Some 65 year old hall of famer coming out would help them, would help those folks, you know, in the second half of their life, maybe find some peace, Maybe be able to, in their in their waning years, craft a life for themselves where they can die with more happiness. And you know, beyond the kids, we we forget that there are still so many adults 
struggling with this, married, stuck in lives that they don't want, cheating on their wives or cheating on their husbands. That, that I think, is where you could really the, – these folks, these older folks, these retirees could have a greater impact, but, you know, they just don't care. Their own personal uh, persona, their public persona, is more important than helping thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, look how much Dave Copay, who's now in his early 70s, still does 40 years on with that book. You know, people still tell me they've read it, how much it meant to them. And, you know, he's he's changed lives for the last 40 years, and these other people could change them now. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 just, I just don't know when, when that time's going to come. It almost seems like these people have made a pact that this is the way they're going to be, and they're not going to change it, and, you know, so be it. But... It continues to be totally frustrating. Yeah, well, you know, luckily we have people coming out, um, you know, despite that. And, you know, one of the, I don't know if you saw this just in the last hour that's kind of hit. And this is, this is fascinating to me. Caitlyn Jenner, obviously, former Olympic decathlete, uh, came out and, and now she is likely facing manslaughter charges. She could be charged oh, this week with manslaughter. And for for the yeah, there was a uh, traffic accident uh, a few months ago before she announced her transition, and you know all of a sudden you know <laughs> out folks just because you come out doesn't mean that you are immune to the law. And Caitlyn Jenner may be in the middle of this legal battle to to stay out of jail pretty soon. So that will be that will be super interesting to watch. Talk about. Talk about a, a, a tabloid sensation. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we seem to think these people as role models, which they are, but they also have lives, and the lives can be sometimes really messy. Um, you know, and I, 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 so I think that's why, you know, with Michael, I, is, is I can get upset with him in some ways. I, I do have a lot of sympathy because he did go, you, know, you, you are going through a lot when you do this, when you kind of come out and, you know, whatever issues he's dealing with, I kind of hope that he's able to kind of write himself just as a person first versus how he is as a football player because these are flesh and blood people. And then, you know, in Caitlyn Jenner's case, we'll let the law decide whether or not, you know, she is, you know, guilty of anything. But clearly you said this will be a huge, especially if it goes to trial, this will be a huge story just because of the fascination factor. Yeah, well, obviously it's uh, sad that somebody died, and, and we hope for the best for Kate. Have you been watching I Am Kate at all? Uh, I have not. The TV show? It's, uh, it's been interesting. The first episode was really great with all their interaction with the family, and then, then they kind of went on this, I don't know, Caitlin and several trans women went on this road trip together for two episodes, and it was kind of like lots of talking about trans issues, and it was like, I'm sure it's helpful to some folks in in the middle of America. I was just, but I just wondered if they were even watching because it just kind of got a little preachy and a little slow. But this past week, you know, Caitlin comes back home and, and and came back home in the episode, and you see her interacting with her family and her kids, and it was like, oh wow, this is what you really wanted to see her her real life and her family and how it affects these people and how what everybody's going through. So it's it, it's been it's been up and down the series, but it's been overall really interesting to watch. Yeah, I read that the ratings have dropped off, and a lot of people sort of made that same point that they kind of went astray after the after the first episode. 
but even then, you know, there's still a lot of people who are, you know, who have been really influenced by what she's done. And, um, you know, we had a story about a transgender bodybuilder a couple weeks ago, and, you know, he told me just how much, you know, just Caitlin's story sort of just made him feel just more like, you know, an accepted person just because of all the attention it got. Again, it's that domino effect that we talked about at the very top of the hour. It's um, that's powerful. It, that's when you, you know everybody is. Everybody has some fear of coming out. The only way to get over that fear is to have courage, and and the domino effect builds courage. Store more stories of courage coming up. Um, a lot of good stuff coming up, especially after Labor Day. This. The next two weeks tend to be what are called, you know, the dead week in uh, sort of the world in terms of people on vacation. Although, I guess with school, got so many schools have started already. People are going back to college. Colleges are starting for the most part on Monday. A lot of athletes we've written about have been writing about, you know, they're going to college for the first time. And, God, when I was growing up, everything happened after Labor Day. Did your schools ever start? No, I went to high school. I started after Labor Day, and then Stanford was in the quarter system. We didn't start we didn't start classes until about September 28th at Stanford. Yeah, I just can't sort of wrap my head around the idea that you know people are in school already. So LAUSD all started on Monday, and I think it's <laughs> but it's 95 degree and in a good time to go to school. But um, that's all the stuff we have to talk to <clears throat> about. I know in two weeks we'll be doing our NFL preview. Uh, good chance to end the. The, the, the pre-Labor Day thing, and remember our podcast is sponsored by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World, and we will talk to you next week.